Good morning and welcome to Centerway Church. My name is Eric, I'm part of the team here. And man, I don't know about you, but I am missing being together face to face. We're really believing that we can do that in the next few weeks or sometime soon. Uh, but in the meantime, there's a few things that we wanna cover this morning. Uh, you can find our kids' messages on our website, centerwaychurch.com. Our kids go through the same text and a similar message as our adults do. And so if you're a parent or if you have kids in your life, you're gonna wanna check that out. Also on our website, you're gonna find content and resources to help you along in your spiritual journey from devotions to wallpapers and other resources. It's all right there. We're in the midst also of a cycle of circles. And if you're not a part of that yet, there is still time to sign up. All of our circles are being offered online, obviously during this time. Uh, so please sign up and there you can find a circle uh, that's gonna interest you and be of value to you. If you're watching this live this morning, uh, there are ways for you to uh, give us your information as well as give financially, uh, request prayer, um, uh, as well as access the messages from weeks past. It's all right there uh, on the tab. You can check that out. And if you're not watching this live, you can do all of those things on our website. A couple things of note for today. In just a moment, Kira uh, is going to be reading the text for today. Then Claude is going to be coming and giving the message, followed by Meredith, who will give us instructions on what to do moving forward. And then after all of that, you're going to want to check out our Instagram Live and our Facebook Live platforms. There we're going to be responding to the word in song. Now, without further ado, here is Kira with the text for today. Good morning, Centerway Church. I'll be reading this morning's scripture. We are in Hebrews chapter 13, verses one through six. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Good morning, everyone. My name is Claude, and uh, my wife, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway. And uh, we're super excited that you have the opportunity to join us this morning as we continue in our series entitled Loud and Clear. And uh, this morning's message is entitled Contentment, specifically. So Loud and Clear, Contentment. And uh, we're continuing through the book of Hebrews. Specifically this morning, we're going to start unpacking the first part of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 6 that you just heard. And as I was contemplating uh, what to share with you this morning, I was kind of brought back to where we used to live prior to moving to Victor. Uh, and that was uh, the Syracuse area. We lived in a village uh, called Baldwinsville. And in one of the side streets, uh, we were in this kind of neighborhood where 
uh, an ice cream truck would regularly come through during the summer and springtime. And so on occasion, uh, as the truck would come through, we'd hear the, the kids kind of screaming and running after this truck and waving it down. And uh, there was one time in particular that I was out doing some yard work and uh, the ice cream truck came down the road and there was a family that was walking through our neighborhood. I don't know if they actually lived there. I didn't know them. They didn't look familiar to me, but they seemed elated by the ice cream truck and their perfect timing. And so they kind of waved this ice cream truck down. It pulled over and uh, this family went over and started requesting what they wanted. And so there was a younger uh, boy there and he was kind of trying to figure out what he wanted. He wasn't sure. He had two older sisters and the older sister, the first older sister ordered something. I don't, I don't really know what it was, but it was some type of like disturbing ice cream, you know, like the pink ones that have all these chunks of candy on them. And, uh, and so she got that. She was excited. She starts eating it right away. The next sister looks, makes her request, and it's the same exact thing. Some type of pink whatever. And so she starts uh, unwrapping it and licking this ice cream. And so uh, the younger brother kind of looks around and decides he wants the same things as his sisters. And so this guy goes back into the truck and comes out and I don't really think much of it. I just keep, you know, mowing the lawn or whatever I was doing at the time. And uh, all of a sudden I hear screaming, like blood curdling screams. I look over and this kid is pitching a fit. Evidently, uh, they're out of that ice cream. And that's what he wants. He wants the same thing his sisters have. And so he's kind of screaming and yelling and uh, his parents aren't really sure what to do. They're trying to calm him down. They're like, it's ice cream. Like, why aren't you excited? Just pick something different. And so this is what's amazing. The older sister looks at him and says, you don't even like this. And he said, I want it, I want it. She goes, dad, he doesn't even like this kind. He doesn't like it. And so they're kind of going back and forth and he's like, just pick something else. And he just cannot be satisfied. And the other sister looks at the mother and says something rather profound. She said, you know why he wants it, don't you? And she's like, no. And she's just kind of shaking her head. And she goes, he wants it because he can't have it. And I think that that is a perfect snapshot of humanity. If there's a question that we can ask ourselves this morning as we jump into the message, it's this. Why are we always pursuing what we don't have? Why are we always pursuing what we don't have? It's almost as if we're just perpetually discontent. At every turn, we just can't be satisfied. We actually have sayings to normalize the struggle. We say things like this, the grass is always greener. You know, it's like a saying and, and people kind of say it lighthearted to almost imply like, well, you know what? We just can't have what we want all the time. We can't be happy with what we do have all the time. It's as if society is telling us that it's normal to not be content with what we have. That it's okay. It's just the way it is. So here's the dirty little secret. The dirty little secret is not going to be profound. It's not going to be shocking. It's this, we don't have to be convinced that we want what we can't have or what we don't have. It resonates with us. Like we get it because it's a part of every single one of us. It's a human condition. We often want what we can't have. We pursue what we can't have. In fact, sometimes we want something simply because we think we can't have it. If we're honest, we're forever pursuing what we don't have. These are things that I've heard. These are actual things that I've heard over the years. They just got a new car. 
Wow, nice car. Yeah, we're saving up to kind of to kind of get the the nicer model. But you know, this is really nice, and we're really excited about it. We're happy with it. Like seriously, you just got a new vehicle, and you're talking about the next vehicle that you want that's just slightly better, has some more things, some more gadgets, a, a little bit more luxury, a little bit more comfort, maybe someday. People that get a new house, they're like, wow, what a beautiful house. Like, yeah, we're saving up to get the dream house, but you know, someday. So there's, there's always something bigger. There's always something nicer. It's like a level of discontentment. And we do this in other areas of our life too. You know people that are getting a little healthier, losing some weight, maybe in some way in the, in the midst of uh, quarantine right now in this season, <laughs> they're alone and doing exercise or whatever, they're losing some weight. They're probably not the typical, probably most of us are gaining, but they lose some weight and like, wow, you look great. And they're like, yeah, I still have so much more to lose. We even do it with our health. We're just not content with the way we look. We're not content with the things that we have. I could give you examples all day long of different ways that we strive for what we don't have, where we talk about what it is that's a little bit nicer, that's a little bit better, that's a little bit more comfortable. We all do it. Why? Why do we do that? I wanna submit to you that we are always pursuing what we don't have because we're trying to fill a void in our lives. We're trying to fill a void in our lives. Maybe it's approval, maybe it's significance, maybe it's respect or even love. I don't pretend to know what your void is, but I am telling you that it's a human condition to have voids in our lives that we attempt to fill. If I can just get that, people will respect me. If I can just get that, that nicer car, then people will be impressed. If I, if I can just achieve that, then I can be lovable. This promotion is great, but someday I really want to be there. I can't be content with where I am because I'm still striving for, for the level of, of significance that just seems to be beyond my reach at every turn. If I can just lose some weight, then maybe I'll be lovable. Maybe I'll be attractive. If, if, if I can just get something bigger, if I can get something newer, if I can just be more impressive, then people will think I'm significant. You see, we as humans are forever searching and never finding. Forever searching and never finding. That sounds so depressing. <laughs> but it's because we're looking for something in the wrong place. Hear that for a second. We're looking for something in the wrong place. You're never going to find what it is you're looking for if you're looking for it in the wrong place. I remember when my kids were younger, I have three children. When, when they were younger, I would, uh, I would hide an object in the home. And it was kind of a game that we would play where they would run around and they would look for it. And uh, it was a way for me, honestly, to avoid hide and seek because that would get exhausting and I'm not that easy to hide. So it was easier to hide an item, a toy or something like that. And so we would do it periodically. I remember one day in particular, um, Meredith was out of the house. And so I was watching the kids. We only had two at that time instead of three. We have three now. And uh, the two girls were, were younger and uh, they wanted to play this game game. And so I had hidden it, I had hit it and they had found it. I don't even remember what the item was in this particular case. 
But I remember distinctly them uh, coming up and saying, Daddy, Daddy, we can't find it. Can you give us a hint? And I remember sitting there being like, uh, I don't remember <laughs> where I hit it. I remember that moment, like that panic in my heart and mind as I sat there like, oh my gosh, where'd I put it? And so I looked at them and I go, I'm not going to give you any hints. I don't want to give it away. Just keep looking. <laughs> and so they start you know, looking and I start thinking, oh my gosh, where is this stupid thing? And so I kind of start looking for it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like the worst dad ever. We're never going to find this. If they don't find it, it will never be found. I can't remember where I put it. Kind of this panicked moment. I think if we're honest, some of us are living our lives as if we're playing some type of abusive game of hide and go seek. Like we're searching for something that we just can't find. And God is some kind of cosmic abusive father that has forgotten where he put it. He's not sure really what path we're on. He's like, well, you know what? Just keep searching. And you're like, but I'm forever searching. I'm forever lost. I can't find what I'm looking for. I think it resonates more than maybe we even want to admit this morning that we're searching for something. Maybe, just maybe, you're looking in the wrong place. This morning's text provides loud and clear instructions concerning what actually matters in life and why. If we pick up at verse 1 of chapter 13, it says this, Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Now, if you're the type of person that's like, listen, I can't memorize scripture. This one is some low-hanging fruit right there. You just memorized chapter 13, verse 1. <laughs> it's a nice, a concise verse. Let brotherly love continue. The thing that I like about this verse is scripture's revealing something that's already being done correctly. It's, it's an assumption so in essence, what it's saying is Christians should continue loving one another. It's a given baseline. Like if you say you're a Christian and you're not loving other Christians, it makes no sense. It's an impossibility. To be a Christ follower is to love other Christians. It's an assumption, a baseline. At the very least, you should be displaying love to other Christians if you claim to be a Christ follower. The end. But the reality is, it doesn't end there. It goes on into verse 2. It says this, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. It's interesting. This idea that love should extend beyond the church. That we as Christians, and that's only if you claim to be a Christ follower this morning, and I realize that we have a wide gamut of people ranging from people that have tuned in just to, just to kind of disprove the existence of God in, in their mind all the way up to someone that, that maybe is fully engaged this morning. But wherever you find yourself on the, on the gamut of Christ follower this morning or skeptic, I want to challenge you to consider this. If you proclaim to be a Christ follower... At the very least, the assumption is you are loving other Christians, but the author of Hebrews goes on and says, as Christians, as people that follow Christ, we should love the community that we're in. By community, I mean the actual place that we live, the city, the village, the community, 
the strangers, the people we don't know, the people that are maybe even enemies that would distance themselves? Are we people marked by love? This goes against, this idea, this concept goes against our very nature of pursuit of things for self. We are to show not kindness, although I'm sure kindness is included in this, not pleasant gestures or even a smile, hospitality. Hospitality. That's a huge word. We're supposed to be people that extend hospitality towards strangers. That's powerful. It's powerful, especially in this season, where we can easily look at people as people that could potentially harm us, harm our loved ones, in the sense that they could unknowingly be sick and make us sick or whatever. It's, it's interesting to see how people respond almost out of fear in this type of season. And yet scripture is saying, show hospitality, extend love, hand your uh, plethora of toilet paper out to those that you don't even know, extend a helping hand. It's a powerful concept. Now, if you're not careful, you might read the rest of this verse where it talks about entertaining angels and basically saying, extend hospitality to strangers because you never might know when, when they're an angel. And you might read that and, and almost feel like the verse is a threat. Like, listen, there's secret shoppers among you. <laughs> listen, be on your best behavior because me, abusive God, I'm sending secret shoppers your way. And when you aren't nice to them, those angels are going to come back and report back to me like a creepy elf on the shelf. But that is, that's not exactly at all what is happening. You see, that type of approach to the text would challenge us to be on our best behavior. That does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because of this. God is all-knowing. And he's all present, which means God knows the motive of our hearts. He, he doesn't need secret shoppers to find out if you actually love strangers. He doesn't need a report from, from an angel that's been sent to trap you in some way. God sees through it. God sees through your best performance, your fake smiles, your attempt to kind of muster up the effort to be kind to someone you don't want to be kind to in your heart. Honestly, the people around you see through that as well. We're not quite as secretive as we think we are. When I was in college, I worked at a privately owned hotel, a high-end, uh, nice hotel, and the owner would come in from time to time and, uh, and do talks to the staff. And it was a, a full staff um, kind of vision talk and a way to realign um, all of us as we would go through these kind of quarterly reports. One of the managers at one of these meetings, uh, I remember, stood up, asked a question, stood up, and um, the owner identified him, and, and he said, yeah, I just, I just want to know, it seems like there's no rhythm or pattern to these secret shoppers that will come in, because we would have secret shoppers come in to evaluate uh, the hotel often. And he said, is there any way you could give us clarity on the frequency with which secret shoppers would come to us, just so we can have an idea? Almost saying, <laughs> like, so if we know a secret shopper came and gave a report, then we could relax for a while knowing that there wouldn't be another month or another week or so. It was interesting. As, uh, as he asked the question, the owner kind of took a deep breath 
and then stared right into his eyes. And I'll never forget the essence of what he said. I remember two words in particular. The two words were dignity and respect. He said this. He said, I have a word of advice for you in regards to the frequency of secret shoppers. Train your people to treat everybody with dignity and respect. Treat every person that way and you'll have nothing to worry about. It was an interesting concept. You could hear a pin drop in the room. He was articulating something that was a culture he was trying to establish in a hotel that he owned. And, and that culture was, it's not about getting a good report card from the owner. This is about treating people with dignity and respect. And if you can train them to do that, then you don't have to worry about the secret shoppers ever. You see, the author of Hebrews mentioning the potential of interacting with an angel is not motivation to love strangers but rather to challenge our assumptions, to challenge and, and uh, our preconceived notions about who people are. You see, the author of Hebrews is saying, stop looking at people at face value, making assumptions, have preconceived ideas, draw conclusions, knock it off. You profess to be a Christ follower? Well, here's some instruction. Love one another and show hospitality to strangers. Stop looking at people through the lens of your preconceived ideas. Our assumptions and our biases should not inform our capacity to love. Let me say that one more time. Our assumptions and biases should not inform our capacity to love. A good business leader, this hotel owner, says treat everybody with dignity and respect. But God says, love everyone. In fact, they'll know your love by showing them hospitality. Let's move on to verse 3. Verse 3 says, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. I need you to consider context so you can understand specifically what's being spoken about, the type of prisoner that's being spoken about. Prisoners were typically there because they had a financial debt they had to pay. They couldn't pay back a debt, and as a result, they would go into prison and they would have to work off that debt until it was paid. That's the reason why you hear this phrase, paying a debt to society, because in that day, that's exactly what had to happen. And the thing that was interesting about it is if they didn't uh, work hard enough or in enough time to pay the debt back adequately, then the only conclusion would be they would have to sell themselves as slaves to pay the debt they owed. It was an interesting uh, dynamic. And the reason why it was an interesting dynamic is because we have to understand that context so we can fully understand what the author is articulating we should care for those in prison even today. So I'm not questioning that at all, but there's something deeper happening here that we're going to get back to in a moment. So I want us to, to kind of put that in the back of our mind. Consider the idea that when we visit people in prison, in this context, we're talking about people having to pay back a debt that they can't pay. Verse 4 moves on and says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Hmm. 
this seems a little out of place here, right? We're kind of going through these instructions uh, about, uh, you know, debt to society, interacting with strangers, all of these things. And then all of a sudden it just seems to throw in this almost moral issue. It seems out of place. Sexual intimacy belongs only in marriage is what the author is saying. Until we read on and consider the context, it seems out of place, but it's going to make more sense as we move on here in verse five. It says this, keep your life free from the love of money. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Love of money. Money's not evil. It's the love of money we have to be aware of. It's interesting because society then and society now tells us, have what you want and what what you don't have. Strive for it. Get it. It's the American dream, right? It's right at your fingertips. You work hard enough, you're going to get it. You want it? Get it. Nike says, just do it. It's all about what it is that you want, what you don't have, and you can pursue. One commentator said it best, and they said this, it's an economy of covetousness. So when you start talking about coveting, Start talking about desiring what you can't have. Like someone else's wife. Like someone else's husband. Like money that you don't possess. Like that car that your neighbor has. Like the education that someone else is going to get at their college. Or the scholarship that they're getting. Or your friend at school's new pair of sneakers. Or whatever it might be. You want what you can't have. So it's interesting In this verse, God is saying loud and clear, be content with what you have. That's what the verse says. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Contentment. It's huge. That's huge, you see, because discontentment leads to searching. When you're discontent, you search and you look. But a content person has the capacity to live life open-handed, showing hospitality to strangers. A content person can love even the unlovable. But how can we be content when we're wired towards discontentment? I mean, I started the whole thing talking about the reality that we want what we can't have, that we're literally perpetually discontent. So what do we do? How can we change? We can't. How exciting is that? We can't unless, unless we've been a slave to our discontentment, literally imprisoned by the sin of our lives, facing a debt we could not pay. And, and in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of the reality that we are literally a slave to the sin of our lives, that the debt that we have to pay is insurmountable, that in that moment, we found a savior that paid our debt and set us free. You see, Jesus came and lived the life that we could not live. He paid the price, the debt that we could never pay. And as a result, we can live in the freedom that only he deserves. You see, Jesus is the answer 
to our discontentment. When we find ourselves in a place of perpetual discontentment, we can realize that we need to increase our proximity to Jesus. Only a content person doesn't have to seek for a sense of love through sexual immorality. Only a content person can battle their love of money by giving generously, by giving to eternal things, by living with their hands open instead of white-knuckled and clothed, closed. Only a content person can, can look at what it is that they've been blessed with and instead of trying to hoard and get more, can just give and bless for joy, out of the abundance. Not because they're trying to perform or impress or anything, but because they realize that all that they have has been given to them because of the grace of God. So therefore, they give generously. Listen, a content person knows the end of verse 5. It says, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. A content person realizes who they are in Christ. They don't have to search. They don't have to try to fill that void. In moments where they find the void of their lives, they can lean in to Christ and say, God, you provide the approval that I'm looking for. Only you, Lord, provide the love that I so desperately need. Only you show me the respect that I need. You see, you can try to get the respect that you deserve from your spouse, from your kids, from your boss, and it will be something that you're searching for for the rest of your life and you'll never find it because you're looking in the wrong place. Only God, only God can fill the void of our lives. So my kids... <laughs> they are running around the house, just literally turning everything upside down. They're looking for this item. Where did daddy hide it? And I am in the other room tearing the house apart thinking, where did daddy hide it? How in the world did I forget where I put this thing? Am I that like distracted that I don't realize it? And so they're kind of going in one room and I'm going in the other and I'm looking and I'm just thinking, seriously, what is my problem? How can I not find this? And all of a sudden, my oldest child comes running up to me, <laughs> says, Daddy, Daddy, we give up. Where is it? Where is it? And I'm just looking at her thinking, how do I tell her I have no idea? And she goes, Daddy, I know you have it. I know you have it. It's in your pocket. Check your pocket. And so I put my hand in my pocket just planning to just turn them inside out and just kind of come clean. Okay, honey, I have no idea where it is. I'll help you look. And I reach into my pocket and I had it in my pocket. <laughs> there it was. It was in my stinking pocket. Am I that old? Like I reach in my pocket and there it is. And she immediately yells as I pull it out. She yells to her sister and she said, daddy has what we're looking for. Daddy has what we're looking for. I want to tell you this morning, our heavenly father has what you're searching for. And it's not some uh, abusive hide and seek game. He hasn't lost it. He wasn't as absent minded as I No, He, the perfect good father, he has what you're looking for. He and he alone. If you would just run to him, 
I want to tell you, because of what Jesus did for us, we can run to our Heavenly Father that will never leave us or forsake us and find contentment. You can find contentment. Verse 6 says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? (laughs) So many people in the world, right now, they desperately need help. So afraid. Maybe you're afraid. Have you found contentment in your Heavenly Father? In this season where where you almost can't search for the things that you've been running after? Have you reached a place? Have you searched enough? Have you come to the end of yourself enough in this season to say, okay, okay, God, I'm, I'm done searching. You have it. You have what I'm looking for. Because he does. You can stop searching. Listen, contentment flows out of confidence in our identity. If you want contentment, know who you are. You know who you are because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. You can stop searching for worth apart from God this morning because of who Jesus is and what he's done. You are a child of the living God if you would just surrender your life to him and then walk in the freedom and the strength and the confidence of someone that has been redeemed as a child of the living God. At Centerway, we say probably every week (laughs) that the text requires something from us. Regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, the text requires something of us. And so I want to ask you a question as you consider how to apply this to your life. The question is this, in what areas of my life will I pray for contentment? In what areas of my life will I pray for contentment? This morning, maybe your application looks like your whole life. To say, I need to, I need to surrender my whole life. I need to pray a prayer asking Jesus to be the Lord and leader of my life because I want contentment. I want to be in relationship with this one who knows me and loves me in spite of what he knows of me. And so if that's you this morning, you can pray a prayer in the quietness of wherever you find yourself right now. And the prayer can be as simple as this, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. I want your peace. I want your love. And in a moment like that, a relationship with Jesus Christ will begin. Transform your heart. If that's a decision you've made, I want to challenge you to to click on the next steps and be able to uh, look at what the next steps are available to you so that we can walk along this journey with you. You can also click prayer request and you can let us know that you've made that decision so we can talk with you. For others of us this morning, if you've already crossed that line of faith, I want to challenge you to look at the areas of your life that maybe you're searching. The areas of your life that you're discontent. What is it that you're looking for that only God can provide? Are you turning to your spouse in this season? You know, they say that um, the divorce rate in China is off the charts as people are starting to come out of um, this, this time that they're quarantined. It's tragic. A lot of people are making memes as if it's a joke and stuff, but 
There are a lot of people that are married that for the first time, they're kind of stuck together and they're working through things that they've been trying to avoid for years. Maybe it's time that, that you acknowledge the fact that what you're looking for can only be found in God and that your spouse is just as imperfect as you are. Is it, is it your job? Is it your job that you're searching for a sense of worth and belonging and you just, you need to pray for contentment? Is it money? Your pursuit of more. If I just get more stuff, if I can just be more stable, if I can just have more money. What is it that you're searching for? Popularity? Being the best athlete? I don't know. I don't pretend to know, but I know that there's application for every single one of us this morning. And if you find yourself this morning saying, listen, I've crossed that line of faith and I'm a person that lives my life continually surrendering uh, what it is that I'm searching for to the Lord daily, then I want to challenge you. The text requires something from you as well. What does it look like for you to live on mission? Because maybe for you, it looks like saying, okay, God, (laughs) I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to give of my talent. I'm going to give of my treasure. I don't know what it looks like for you to be missional in this season in particular, but I know that God's speaking to you right now where you're at. There's something you're feeling compelled to do, to live open-handedly, to extend love or grace or mercy. I trust the Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit to be strong enough to speak specifically to you where you're at right now. The question is, will you listen? Will you respond? So I want to give you opportunity to consider what it is that the Lord's asking you to do and what areas of your life you're going to pray for contentment in this week. I'm going to close this in prayer. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We're so grateful that we have the opportunity to gather this way. The technology provides it. And so, Lord, I pray that as we uh, gather wherever we may be, whether we're watching uh, live or if we're listening to a podcast at a later time, Lord, I, I just pray that you would speak to us that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would uh, reveal the areas of our life where we are searching. And that in this season, as we surrender and we pray for contentment, that we increase our proximity to you, God, that you would give us what it is that we're searching for, that you would allow us to have an awareness that we are loved by you, that we're approved of by you, that we can find our strength, our hope and our joy in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are joining us live this morning, I want to welcome you uh, to join us uh, live on both Instagram Live and Facebook Live for opportunity to respond in song through worship. You won't want to miss that if you're available. Um, Otherwise, if you aren't with us in that format, I want to encourage you to go to uh, our Spotify. Uh, You can do that by going to Spotify and and searching. In fact, there's going to be an announcement and explanation about that uh, from Meredith right now. Thanks, Claude. There are a number of ways you can respond in worship today. Sometimes we think of worshiping as just singing, but you can spend time in God's presence considering the application question. You can serve, you can give, and I'm sure there's other creative ways that you can ascribe worth to God, but we are going to respond in worship through singing together today. If you're watching on the live platform right now, in just a minute, uh, we're gonna head over to Instagram Live, Facebook Live, we're gonna have a, a live worship set. If you are watching or listening to this later, no worries, you can access the Spotify playlist 
playlist that goes with this set in this series. Just search Centerway Church, look for the Loud and Clear playlist, and you'll have access to these songs from today and from the whole series. And you'll just get to use them as a backdrop really to your whole week, even if you're listening live right now, as you consider what God is up to in your life. So if you're listening live, uh, we're gonna head over to Instagram and Facebook right now. See you over there. 